Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. The word of God for the people of God. So I think I've mentioned before that, um, uh, I know I've mentioned before, a few years ago my um, family got me a turntable for Christmas. And so I have been slowly building up my vinyl collection uh, over the years. And so I really enjoy going to places and both new music to see if there is a particular group that I really am enjoying and, and buy their vinyl. But another part of this that I really enjoy too is going into the sections. Sometimes it's like the 99 cent uh, bargains or looking for used albums as well because I'm beginning to do my best to build up my old album collection that I had when I was a kid. How many folks, uh, we're going to show our ages here, how many collected vinyl when you were uh, a young person? Yeah, we can see who's older and who's you know not quite so old. Uh, and so um, I'm going to, uh, while we're, especially since we're streaming, I'm going to call out my brother because uh, several years ago he sold uh, a lot of my old albums. Uh, I don't necessarily blame him because at the time, this is when CDs were the thing, and it's like nobody's going to listen to vinyl anymore. Uh, and so I've forgiven him for doing that. But I am going back and trying to remember what were the albums that I had as a kid. And so I go through those old uh, parts of the, 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 you know, again, the bargain bins and looking for things. And again, I've, I've actually written down a list of these are all the albums I think I had as a kid. And as I was going through one of these bins a few months ago, I like, I saw the album and I literally said, ah, oh, I can't believe it. And so I brought it with me today. Friends, now when I was a kid, uh, I, I will confess, full confession here, probably seven, eight, nine years old, I listened to this all the time. So you can imagine little me dancing around to this, and so don't judge me, but this is, <laughs> you know, this was it. I'm gonna, this is who I am. Friends, Barry Manilow Live. <laughs> All right? Barry Manilow Live. I know this album, when I put it back on my turntable, I was just like, I, I still know these songs over and over again. And I saw it, and I looked, $3.99, friends. $3.99 for Barry Manilow Live. And I just like took this and I just held it to my chest. And I said, I found you. And you're only four bucks. And so that is just 
kind of hilarious when I go through and look for it. There's still a few that I'm, I'm out there searching for. Uh, some of these I could buy new, but it's so much better when you can find it and it's been well-loved, right? And so I continue to look for all of these bargain albums, and it brings me such joy. And it is so interesting that something that's really worth only $4, a used Barry Mellon Live album, but to me is priceless because of all of the memories that it brings back. And so that's what I'm searching for, these things that others might say, it's only worth a couple bucks, but to me, oh, there's so much more value to that. So we are continuing this sermon series uh, this month about parables. We're taking a look at parables, some of them uh, that we know and some are more challenging. I mentioned a couple weeks ago when I was here, we know the, um, the, tr the New Testament is translated from Greek. And so the Greek word for parable is parabole. And that really means comparison or putting up one thing beside another to make a point. This is what parables. Jesus spoke parables sometimes could just be one-liners. Sometimes there were stories that we may know. And so there is a, a Episcopal priest and a scholar, the late Robert Farrar Capon, and he says this about parables. He says, Jesus thought in parables, acted in parables, and regularly insisted that what he was proclaiming could not be set forth in any other way than in parables. So Jesus constantly, as a way for him to convey, as a way to try to let folks know, I want you to know what God's kingdom is like. I want you to know what God's love is like. I'm going to do everything I can so that you know it, and it's in your bones. And so Jesus would take everyday things and stories in order to get that point across. Today, we are talking about a lost sheep, and we are talking about a lost coin. So there are a couple of things I think, there are lots of things that one could notice here. I think it's really rich in all kinds of messages, but a couple of things that I noticed uh, about this as I was reflecting on it. And the first thing is that Jesus is really, I think perhaps today as we read it, rethinks time and what we consider valuable. And also, Jesus is making a statement about resource allocation. So more and more people talk about what are the most valuable resources that we have in our world today. And some people might say water, and some might say oil. Others would say actually time could be considered one of those resources that is so precious. And because of that, there's a whole industry around time management and how to make the most of the time and the minutes and the hours of the days that we have, and all kinds of tricks and books and TED Talks and all of these things about how can we make the most of our time. And this begins to spill over into our faith lives as well. It's like, just, you just need a few seconds to pray. How can I do all of these things in the, because we're so busy? And I also thought about this uh, statement that Bill Gates made many, many years ago about resource allocation. He said, just in terms of allocation of time resources, religion is not very efficient. <laughs> he said, there's a lot more I could be doing on a Sunday morning. And so I've always, that, that quote has always stuck me when we talk about what does it mean to be efficient with our time. And when we read this passage today, those people who are all about time efficiency, they would probably read this and they would say, they'd pull Jesus aside, that, friend, this makes no sense here, what you're doing. You've got 99 sheep, very nice, good-looking sheep here. You just lost one. You've got 
a calendar to keep up with, you have other appointments, let the one go. That's not very efficient use of your time and resources to go after the other one. Or someone might pull up, Jesus said, you know, you're telling the story about the woman. She's got 10 coins. She just lost one. She's got nine left. Why are you spending so much time looking for this one thing? It doesn't make any sense. So Jesus is perhaps challenging what we think about how we utilize our time and our resources. I'm so glad that Shelby picked out this song this morning. I don't know if you picked up on that reckless love that we see here. So Jesus is making a statement about our resources and what we consider and how we use them too. But another thing that's going on here as well, and Father Capon says this about Jesus. He says, Jesus has this insistence on unsuccess. Jesus has this insistence on unsuccess. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, we see different ways that Jesus is talking about lostness, about people who lost something or who are in the process of losing. And this is so antithetical, again, from our culture that prizes how efficiently we, efficiently we use our time, but also, of course, it's no secret that we love people who win. We love people who get ahead. We love people who game the system so that they are on top. All of the people, the women's soccer team, and the hours and hours and hours of time that they were putting on, and so many people said, oh, we're so embarrassed, they failed, they didn't even make it to the quarterfinals, they lost. Friends, I'm embarrassed. I'm a sports fan, and it's embarrassing how I react sometimes when my teams lose. It's embarrassing. It's a game. And yet we as a society place so much emphasis on the winners, and Jesus has this insistence on unsuccess. And we see this in our passage here today. You may have heard us when we talk at Christmas Eve. Of course, that's often when shepherds will make their presence known at Christmas Eve. And that's often a time when we talk, too, that shepherding was not a noble profession. Jesus is telling this parable, this story, and Jesus trots out this shepherd. Now, to ears at the time, they're like, shepherds? What are you talking about? They had a reputation in the first century as shiftless, as thieving, as trespassers. And Jesus is saying, here's, I'm going to tell the story about this shepherd. And at the beginning of the passage, we see too here that Jesus is hanging out with these tax collectors and sinners and people are grumbling. Jesus consistently says, friends, it's not the winners that I'm here for. It's the lost. And I will do all that I can. I will waste time in order to find them and go after them. We know, of course, the, perhaps the, you know, the story of the laborers in the vineyard. You may know the story of those who started up early in the day. They worked all day. They got their pay. And then those who worked just an hour, and they got the same pay. And every time I tell this story, people, you can just, this is just so un-American. Like, how can that be? A person who works an hour versus 10 hours, and they get the same? That makes no sense whatsoever. And Jesus ends that parable by saying, well, friends, so the last will be first and the first will be last. We may know these things in our head, but I think we lose track on Jesus' insistence on unsuccess, on Jesus being here and present for the lost. 
And this is what we see in our passage here today. One other thing to notice about this story is that another parable of the prodigal son, we may love that story because here's a story of somebody who goes away and they realize the, mistake, the mistakes and they come back and they ask for forgiveness. Here in this story today, we've got a sheep and a coin. They cannot ask for repentance. They cannot ask for forgiveness. They do not come running back saying, oh, I'm so sorry. And they say, oh, it's okay, you're forgiven. They can't do anything. It's a sheep. It's a coin. And yet they are found. And they can't do anything about it. Friends, what does that say about grace? That we are constantly we should be constantly thinking about how God is constantly going after those who cannot even perhaps respond. And yet God is consistently searching and is passionate about finding those who are lost, whether they respond or not. So I, earlier this year, I just finished a book by, um, some of you may have heard of the uh, journalist Alex Cutlowitz. Actually, I think Alex Cutlowitz lives in Oak Park. Uh, and he, he's written about Chicago. He has really lovely stories. He wrote many years ago a book called There Are No Children Here about children in the city, a neighborhood in Chicago. And this book was called An American Summer. And he followed and he wrote about one summer, the summer of 2013, with a particular emphasis on gun violence. And he goes out to try to unearth the stories that we might overlook, to tell the things that we might be missing. And he spends some time that summer at Harper High School. Harper is in the city. It's on 65th and between Ashland and Damon. And two people that he talks to and works with and writes about are particularly, I found particularly interesting. One was a woman named Anita Stewart, who is a social worker. She has a close relationship with a student named Thomas. And he tells their story. Thomas, perhaps, is one of those youth, I don't know about you, but perhaps sometimes we become so numb to the stories of violence and black youth who are shot and killed and we just don't pay attention anymore. Thomas perhaps is one of those youth that we read about and we just kind of keep on reading and going on with our day. Thomas grew up in Englewood, had a mother who wrestled with drugs, had a father who had not been present very much. He had a brother in and out of jail. He had another brother who was paralyzed because of a gunshot wound. And the stories that Alex Kotlowitz talks about are the stories of Anita, the social worker, working with Thomas and fighting over and over for him. And as we read this story, we know that not only is she there for him constantly over and over, but perhaps the thing that is unsaid in the story is she's also fighting violence in his neighborhood, but also she is fighting systemic racism that has created these conditions where there is no, little to no economic development, so there's housing redlining, and these decades and decades and decades of things that are against them. And yet, Anita will not be stopped. She will constantly fight for and look out for Thomas. Later on, budget cuts meant that Harper High School had to go from two social workers to one, and Anita lost her job. But Anita did not stop. Now, you might think, well, that's her job as a social worker. She's going to be there for her students. But after she was let go at Harper, she continued to be there for 
Thomas. There's one part of a story that uh, Kotlowitz wrote about. Thomas had just completed his junior year at Harper High School, but had failed Spanish and English. So Anita helped him to enroll in summer school, paid the $50 fee. He missed the first week of classes, and Anita knew that if he wanted to graduate, he had to go to class. And so she drove up to his home in Englewood, and she knocked on the door. And Thomas's sister went and woke him up, and Kotlowitz begins to tell the story, the back and forth between Anita and Thomas. And Thomas said, I ain't going nowhere. And Anita said, she's standing there on the porch. She said, yes, you are. And he said, I ain't going. You hear me? I already told you, man. And she said, I'm not a man. And she insisted that he go. And he kept protesting. He said, I'm not going. And so she just laughed and then went in her car and just sat there. She was not going anywhere. And Thomas finally went upstairs and changed and got in the car. And eventually, he graduated. She would not give up to him on him. Thomas, who so many people in our society will think, well, does this person really have any value? And yet she insisted on seeing that. And Carlos asked her, why is it? And she said, I see so much of myself in Thomas. I see me in this boy. He moved to St. Thomas, moved to St. Louis. Anita continued to text him every day. He came back to Chicago. She continued to meet with him. And at the end of this story, Thomas talked about all of the violence that he has seen, all of the friends he has had who have been killed. And he said, you can't cry about it. I've seen people go crazy because of all the violence they've seen. People lose their mind. They don't care about anything. I'm stronger than that. I ain't going to let it break me down. I don't let that stuff get to me. He said, it's not going to happen overnight, but it's going to get better. And the story ended there. I have no idea. This is 2013. I tried to do a little bit of searching about Thomas and Anita. I don't know exactly what has happened to them. So often, you know, we want these happy stories, happy endings. And I don't know how this ended. But what inspires me is this woman who sees this boy, and she looks at him, and she says, I see myself in you. You have value. You are worth something. I am going to waste so many hours, even though it's not my job, to search for you so that you know who you are and what you are worth. And she continued on and on and on. Friends, I think Anita is a wonderful way to describe what God is doing for each of us. God sees God's self in each and every one of us. Who we are, who we were created to be. And so much time will be wasted for God to continue to reach out and search for you. To let you know that. Just who you are and how you were created. Because God says, I see myself in you. And so, where are you today in thinking about that? Perhaps you're on that place, and we've all been there, where we are running. We are doing all we can to escape from God. Hiding, wanting nothing to do with who God is. 
perhaps you're at a place today where maybe you can pause and just let yourself be found and hear God saying, oh, I see myself in you. Or maybe you're at a place in your life now where did you notice too what happens, especially with the woman finds the coin? She calls her friends. She texts everybody and says, hey, I found my coin. Let us rejoice. Maybe you are at a place too where you can be one who rejoices with someone else who is found. Or maybe you are at a place too where you're sensing God is calling me to work within me so that I might be that person to let someone else know God is searching for you so that they can know that good news as well. There's so many things in our society that people say, that's not worth anything. It could be a silly album, or it could be a child. I think that's not worth the resources. It's not worth the time. But God says, oh, it is, because they have untold value. And I will search for the ends of the earth to let them know that. Friends, let us be found ourselves and let us go forth to let others know that good, good news. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks for your good news in our midst. We are grateful for who you are and how you come to us. Lord, help us to know how valuable we are, even if we've been told in our lives that the opposite is the case. Help us to know that so much time will be given so that this good news will be known to us. And we pray, too, that the people in our lives, perhaps who have this same feeling about themselves, that they would be found and that we might help in that process. And all this we pray to you in Jesus' name. Amen.